Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Friday, everybody. And today's show brought to you by good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The beverage supermarket imports domestics microbrews. Best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. All right, it's an off weekend for wrestling. As we sit here in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Keirwoods 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Next week, the Nittany Lions will be at Nebraska uh, for the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. And yes, we will have Jeff Byers joining us next week, next Friday, in fact, from Lincoln. Uh, tonight, though, the story will be basketball. The Nittany Lions have senior night tonight with Northwestern. The game is on. Classes were canceled today here at Penn State, but Northwestern did get here last night, and uh, it was no big deal. They didn't. We didn't start getting really anything around here until ten o'clock. So Northwestern got in here with relative ease last night. Shoot around earlier today, and the game is on tonight. Even though classes were canceled at Penn State today, in fact, all the activity was uh, cut back to 5 o'clock this afternoon while the game's at 7. So that will be no big deal, and they'll play tonight at 7. Airtime is set for 6.30 for the Nittany Lions. Again, I always look forward in the standings, not back, but there's a reality to this that if Penn State can win, they will put themselves in 10th in the conference, which would get them out of the Wednesday game in the Big Ten tournament and put them in the Thursday night game, then they'd have to follow it up with another game against Nebraska on Sunday night. And Nebraska, by the way, is going to stick with Fred Hoiberg as their coach, despite the fact that they've had tough sledding. Eh, good words to use on this particular day. Tough sledding at Nebraska since he came there, and this now his third season. But Penn State has Northwestern tonight with Pete Nance and Boo Booey and Chase Audige and Ty Berry and Ryan Young. It's a good team. Uh, Chris Collins is a really good coach. I know he's been there a while. They did get to the NCAA tournament once, but Chris is a really good coach and has done a great job of that program. It's like Micah has. Now, Penn State's going to have seven players tonight go through senior day. That doesn't mean they're all leaving. I can tell you, though, the guys that are going to be out of eligibility will be John Hara, Jelani White, um, uh, Jaheim Cornwall, they're going to be, and uh, and Greg Lee, they're all going to be out of uh, of uh, options after tonight. The three that can come back are Miles Dredd, Sam Sessoms, and Jalen Pickett. They can come back, even though they will go through senior ceremonies coming up tonight in the Jordan Center. All right, the NFL Combine is next week in Indianapolis. So we're doing a lot of shows dealing with the draft. We'll take a look at one of the favorite topics around here, FCS. Joe DeLeon will t- uh, join us to talk about that in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
Welcome back. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks, lots and lots of snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills. Okay, all together now, they're in Benton. Indeed, second to none. Well done. It's all at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. In fact, I was checking out sunburymotors.com this morning. Going through some vehicles I am seriously considering, because next buy is going to be, obviously, from Sunbury Motors. All right. Let's uh, talk about FCS and the draft. Been more important as the years have gone by. I might as well talk to somebody that understands FCS inside and out, a former roadie ram, Joe DeLeon. Hello, Joe. Welcome. Great to have you with us. I'm doing great and excited that the the combine's coming up because that means I get to talk about the draft for a whole week. Yeah, exactly. And and I am actually somebody that has been to your stadium in Kingston. So okay, really, yeah. what brought you to Kingston? Uh, Penn State was in the Atlantic Ten at the time, and so they played Rhode Island at Old Keeney Gym over and over Ooh. and over. And yes, I climbed that death-defying stair to get to the loft <laughs> to uh, broadcast yeah. games. The new stadium's a lot better, but I, I've I've had to do workouts in Keeney before for off-season conditioning. I'll bet. I'll bet that was something else. Uh, you know, you do a lot with FCS uh, along the way, and there's been more of an impact, I think, uh, uh, with FCS on the NFL draft as time has gone, as evidenced by guys like Carson Wentz, Trey Lance, and others. And let's you know get to the Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup. All right, they're all FCS guys. Out of those guys that you're seeing in the current crop, who are guys that are going to emerge that we're going to start talking about once they go through this combine process? Right. The the big FCS guys that are going to be talked about, I think, the most in this class, the first one being Trevor Penning, the offensive lineman yeah. in northern Iowa. He's been getting some buzz as a first-round prospect. I frankly thought that Spencer Brown, who was his teammate last year, who – went later than that to the Buffalo Bills and was a really strong starter this year. I thought that he's a better prospect than Penning, um, but still Penning a really, really good tackle. He's tall. He's super mean. He's super aggressive. And we saw him knocking guys around, getting into fights at the Senior Bowl, which was really fun because he might have not been perfect the whole week, but he really showed that he has that, has that aggressive mentality that you can't coach an offensive lineman. The other guy who is also at the Senior Bowl and starting to – make a name for himself is Christian Watson, the North Dakota statewide receiver. Yes. We've started to get a chance to see how he does against FBS opponents. And this is a tall, long receiver, six foot four, 215 pounds roughly. And despite being tall, we see these guys that are, are a lot longer at receiver struggle to bend and cut in their routes. But Watson's able to do that. He's got this rare bend to him. He's got this rare, um, transition ability that you don't get for these taller guys and he's going to test really well at the combine there's a good chance he tests in the four fours and he's going to do well in his jumps but i'm a big fan of christian watson and then the last one this guy is so fun to me um troy anderson from montana state he was originally a quarterback 
mm-hmm. and a running back when he first was at Montana State. They moved him over to defense. This was after he was an All-American at both positions. Right. They moved him over to defense. He plays linebacker. And despite being pretty green to the position, he was one of the best linebackers in the country at the FCS level. And not a lot of people knew who he was coming into the Senior Bowl, but you saw those flashes of what he can become if he gets some time to develop. But just a really tough, hard-nosed Montana kid um, that has some growing to do, but some really nice athletic traits. Yes, I saw him in the playoffs. Uh, And you're like, I mean, and... Not only it's interesting, you know, as you know, Joe, it, 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 you can take a safety, you can make him an outside linebacker, you can take an outside linebacker, make him a defensive end, and get more speed into your lineup. The fact that he was a quarterback and running back, what kind of advantage does he have playing a linebacking spot that he's got the speed to, to go with it that could be a cut above? Yeah, I think that the big advantage is understanding the thought processes of quarterbacks. Right. Now, he's not going to be caught up with the NFL guys, but sure. he's going to know what they're looking at. He's going to be able to read blocking schemes and running plays easier because he knows what guys are looking for when they're reading holes in front of them. Uh, it, it, he doesn't obviously have as much time playing the linebacker position, so he just needs to get a little bit more comfortable with it. But having that offensive knowledge, which a, not every defensive guy has, every guy at one point or another played both positions, whether it was in, in Little League or in, in high school, but to be that recently removed from the college level I think is really going to help him in understanding what he's looking at. We're in an interesting time, especially with the transfer portal. There have been many years where players, for whatever reason, you know, in the personally have transferred quote down, and because they could they could have been eligible right away at the FCS level. There's certain games that Penn State's played where you're looking and saying, okay, there are 11 guys in this roster that played FBS football. Are we seeing a trend where some of the FCS guys are now transferring in the portal up, and what's that doing to the FCS game? Yeah, I think that what we're going to keep seeing every single year for the guys that aren't seniors that still have like a remaining year of eligibility, they're all going to test the portal. And those that are good enough are going to move up to big programs and have really strong impacts for teams um, and and being high-impact players. Like Jabril Cox, who played at LSU and previously North Dakota State, he's a really good example because he ends up being a highly drafted player but he had that ability to move up and showcase his skills at LSU. But at the same time, the portal, it balances itself out because for every five to 10 guys that can move up and go to a power five program or a really good championship level contending program, there are hundreds of players that are being caught under the radar because they can't break the starting lineup at a school like you know, like Illinois or Purdue or even like a Michigan, somewhere like that, those that are stuck in the depth chart that are frustrated that enter the portal, don't get the offers that they thought they were going to get, and then end up at an FCS program and starting to shine. So it all works itself out. There's a a balance and equilibrium to the flow of things, but we are getting a lot more of those big-name guys moving up to the FBS level. Are we seeing a better quality of play in FCS right now? Because, I mean, I'll sit there and I'll watch the playoffs, and I'm seeing North Dakota State, James Madison, Montana State, you know, just uh, over and over again. But, for example, 
I mean, I I had to, last year I had to drive down to Virginia Tech to do basketball. Uh, I couldn't fly at that point because uh, it was last year, <laughs> and so that means you got to drive right through Harrisonburg and past their state. That is as impressive an FCS stadium as I've seen. But I'm getting a sense the more places I go that there are a lot. There's more being put into facilities at that level. Is that true? Yeah, I think for the, these bigger, higher-quality FCS programs, they are spending a lot more money. And some of these programs are doing it because they want to move up. James Madison's moving to the Sun Belt. Right. There's that possibility that North Dakota State is going to try and jump sometime in the next couple of years, and they're heavily investing into their facilities. South Dakota State is making a heavy investment into their facilities. It's just like any level of football. If you want to compete and you want to recruit within your state and you also want to maybe steal some of those three-star recruits that are thinking between a, a, a mediocre group of five school or being a, a bench-riding player on a, a Power 5 team, you want to convince them to come play for you at the FCS level, you need to have the facilities that contend with those types of programs. I mean, the money's there for, for these state schools, but there definitely is starting to become more of an emphasis on, on building out uh, those facilities so they're at a, a, a FBS quality level. Joe, give me a couple guys that could be third-day draft guys but could bring with them some kind of value that the teams that pick them are going to be like pleasantly surprised. And they'll say, you know what, Joe DeLeon knew all about that guy. I'm glad we picked him. <laughs> yeah, the, the one first player that, that I keep bringing up and, and being an FCS guy, getting to see these guys up close, I, I keep pounding the table for Pierre Strong Jr., from yes, South Dakota State. yes, he, he, he really good player. Very fantastic player. Did not get the Senior Bowl invite, which was super shocking to me. And I, I really thought this was going to be uh, a kid that, that was going to get the, the nod because of, I mean, there's not a lot of depth at this running back group. I thought that because of what he did in college, it was enough for him. But he's he's quicker than fast. He's really explosive. He makes really nice big home run plays. And the reason why I bring up Pierre Strong Jr. is I think he's going to be this year's James Robinson, who, remember a couple of years ago, I was I was pounding the table for Robinson saying that this kid should get drafted. Yes. Uh, early day three, coming out of Illinois State, he was like a record-breaking guy. And then he goes undrafted. And when he started to pop off, I, I took my victory lap and was saying, like, hey, I, I was saying that this kid was going to be, be pretty good. He hasn't done anything since that first year. But I think Pierre Strong has that possibility to be a, a high-impact player. And then if I was to bring up another guy who is going to get drafted a little bit later that has a ton of potential, I think D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky isn't getting talked about enough right now, um, specifically because this, this edge class is just so deep and there's so many big names from big programs that are being talked about ahead of him. But D'Angelo Malone has really, really elite length. He's a very tall, long defensive end. And I, I think that he could turn himself into a really high-quality uh, rotational pass rusher at the next level. Uh, one point on Pierre Strong. I, I realize that North Dakota State, you know, it, it, the passing attack's good. I mean, South Dakota State, the, the passing attack for the Jackrabbits is good, not great. But they use him in the passing game, and I think that really helps his value at the next level because he is a good receiver out of the backfield. Yeah, yeah he's a fantastic receiver. He. He makes a lot of really good plays when they get the ball in his hand. And 
you, you saw how good this offense was in this past year. They were the most successful when he was playing his best. And I think back to, I got to watch him live when I traveled to South Dakota State to watch them play North Dakota State. Yeah. And it was crazy how electric the stadium was when he scored a long 75-yard touchdown. He is a juice bringer type guy, and I just think he's getting pushed down on some people's radars because there's just so many other recognizable running back names that we were exposed to this past year that we see at these big programs. It's easy to forget about a guy like Pierre Strong Jr. Joe, appreciate your time very much. Great insight. Of, of course. Thanks for having me. Joe DeLeon from the Believe Podcast, checking out FCS football and the NFL Draft Combine next week in Indianapolis. All right, more to come. We'll talk with Neil Kulong. A lot of changes with the Steelers, including Brian Flores being added to the coaching staff. Also, a really an endorsement for uh, Mason Rudolph as quarterback. Interesting. We'll talk to Neil about all that in the next half hour. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at... Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels of the dills. Indeed, second to none. Back with more from the Sunbury Motors studio in the next half hour with Neil Kulong in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, welcome back, and great to have you with us on this Friday. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Ah, yes. You want the best selection of beer? How about imports? Domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. A lot of people love wine coolers, soft drinks, 
Lots and lots of snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, my two favorites. Indeed, let's hear it in New Berlin. Second to none. All right, all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The Beverage Supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory. Service department that takes care of everything. Routine to inspections. Diagnostics, they take care of it all. It's one-stop vehicle shopping, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. And, yes, I was on sunburymotors.com this morning, starting to get in gear to check out inventory for a vehicle I'm looking at. So you can do the same thing. Yeah, so that's how I started my process, sunburymotors.com. All right. Uh, a lot going on. Of course, we mentioned Penn State basketball tonight, Senior Night Jordan Center. They've got Northwestern tonight, the Nebraska on Sunday. The game is on tonight. Uh, the classes were canceled here at Penn State today. All activities were canceled here. They did that last night because of the storm. We had a lot of sleet, freezing rain overnight here. Uh, so, you know, based on how the conditions were this morning, it was the right move. But the game has been on the entire time. It didn't start here until about, I don't know, 9, 10 last night. Northwestern got here last night, so it was no big deal. And uh, because of that, the game is on this evening. All right. And uh, so that's at 7 on at 6.30. All right, let's get to football. Neil Kulong, sir, great to have you back with us. Definitely. You guys as well. I, I hope that your day is going as well as mine is. Good. I hope that means it's going great. Uh, so let's get to the hiring of Brian Flores uh, on the staff. Uh, you know, what was your thought when you saw that uh, he was going to be uh, on the uh, defensive side of the ball for the Steelers? My, the first word in my head, and I remembered this intentionally just for the, the, the need to describe it later, was excellent. Yep. Uh, Brian Flores is a, a, a well-respected, well-regarded, and successful uh, defensive coach in the NFL. Um, there are obviously issues that come with that, and you understand that there are a lot of uh, talking points that the media will you know, have to go over time and time again. But at its root, as far as the team is concerned, they promoted their senior defensive assistants into the defensive coordinator role, and they replaced him by a guy that, that has a, an even better track record as far as uh, defensive coaching goes. You, you know, Brian Flores, we can get into to whether or not he got head coaching jobs that he interviewed for, but he absolutely, nobody would dispute that he earned head coaching interviews. Uh, there was a reason for that. He, he is an excellent coach. His players swear by him. He's had a ton of success. Um, he, he was mentored essentially by a Hall of Fame coach. All of these things are how, on the outside, you would uh, generally define a successful coach in the NFL. Uh, for the fact that he did all of that by age 40, uh, it, it shows he's he's a riser, and he's got more growth to do. And I think, you know, being able to uh, collaborate with Mike Tomlin, with Terrell Austin, uh, yeah. other, you know, other defensive coaches that they have, everybody is going to improve because of that. And frankly, 
uh, if we want to be really specific about it, if, if the lawsuit issue was not a part of it, what we would be saying most of all is the Steelers have probably never needed a, a, a strong linebackers coach right now, the way that they do right now in, in the history of their franchise. Their inside linebackers were terrible last season. There's really no other way to describe that. Their outside linebackers have played really well, but as a defense, they were so bad up the middle. Um, it, 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 they were historically poor as far as the, the Steelers go. I mean, you look at the Chargers game, the Vikings game, the Chiefs game. It, they, they were moved constantly. Um, they need a change in personnel, and they needed a change of message. And I think uh, Keith Butler retired. I don't think that they, they fired him or anything. I, I think he legitimately just was, was done, um, wanted to end his career at that point. But um, the, the, the addition of Brian Flores, I think, brings a different message. Um, it doesn't you know, signify a significant strategic change. It's just more, this is a guy who knows how to coach, he knows how to evaluate, he knows how to communicate. Those are the key points to a, a, a leadership position within the NFL. You need to be able to do those things um, in some combination, at least. And he has a track record that shows he's really good at it. So I, the Steelers got a lot better with that move. And I, I don't know if they're going to make a move that will be more vital to them in this season and maybe the coming seasons as well than the, the hiring of Brian Flores in that position. From 30,000 feet, I was stunned that he was let go by the Dolphins. I didn't think he deserved it at all. Said it the day it happened. Let, you know, and Look, the lawsuit is, is his business. I thought the Steelers hiring, and since he's not a head coach, to me, I thought the hiring was based completely on merit, and the Steelers are better off for having him. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you look at it just in, in simple terms, um, the Steelers weren't looking to hire a head coach. Right. Uh, that's the, the crux of the issue. All they did was hire what could be very easily argued the most qualified assistant coach on the market. Yeah. I, I never had the sense that and a lot of this comes, let's be real, a lot of this comes from the idea that Colin Kaepernick never got back into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then all of that stuff came down um, as far as him being blackballed, held out of the NFL. Everybody automatically assumed that that was what was going to happen to Brian Flores. I, to me, it was always like, well, uh, does Flores want to coach? He's 40 years old. Yeah. It, it's, his lawsuit has nothing to do with him being a position coach. Right. And, you know, if you don't get hired for uh, – if you're a coordinator uh, who gets, you know, released from a team – uh, you don't get another coordinator job. Usually, they there are position coach or they are a, 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 a specific element coach. You know, right. not a coordinator. Um, that's the opportunity that Flores had in front of him. I don't see how that changes anything to do with his lawsuit at all. His lawsuit literally is about not being hired as a head coach. He wasn't hired as a head coach. Right. Um, that will take care of itself. It, it's it's something that's outside of, frankly, it, it, let's put it this way, Steve. If you want to break down the NFL into 32 components, which is what it truly is, right. I understand that he's suing the league, mm-hmm. but the league doesn't hire the head coaches. The individual right. teams do. That's right. The league oversees that, and they are ultimately culpable for it, and, and we'll figure out how far this case gets. The reality is, if you want to talk about one team in the NFL that is absolutely not 
a part of all of the stuff <laughs> right. that Brian Flores is talking about. Exactly. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. They have not been in the market to hire a head coach. The one time they did, at the beginning of the, the this is the franchise the rule is named after, essentially. Yep. At the beginning of that rule, they hired a black head coach. They haven't had to hire a coach since then. If anybody is not subject to what Flores is talking about, the spirit of his lawsuit, right. it's the Steelers. That's right. So, frankly, if there was a team he's going to work for, it'd probably be the Steelers if you right. look at it logically. So, to me, it, it has nothing to do with it. And I think Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert said it yesterday, too. Uh, they're both being truthful and honest. It, it has nothing to do with that. That's its own thing. <laughs> the Steelers are the one team that don't have to concern themselves uh, with being a part of that through practice. Or you can't accuse them of anything just because they're an NFL team. It's not the same thing. Right. Well, they needed a linebacker coach, and they went out and got a really, really good one. Uh, next uh, is the Mason Rudolph story. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, is part of the statement about Rudolph, can it possibly be that at the moment he's the quote most qualified guy on the current roster? Um, yes, but he's the only guy on the roster, so I, I think that plays a big part. In okay. it. Um, so that makes him the least qualified as well? <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's the best and the worst option at the same time. And to be honest with you, it might be true when you bring in two other quarterbacks. Yeah, right. Um, it, it's, look, what you see is what you get with Mason Rudolph. I, I don't think you can put a, a lipstick yeah. on a pig and call it something else. I know. Um, in my opinion, he is a below-average quarterback. He's not an NFL starter. I think the Steelers are aware of that to the extent that they didn't foresee the market being right to get a, a, a better quarterback this year. I know that seems weird, but sometimes you have to kind of look at the bigger picture. Um, they have other moves that they need to make. Uh, maybe it was something what they're saying by uh, it, it, giving Rudolph a one-year extension last year. Um, the idea was, look at, keep in mind, it was right before the draft. We, we spoke about this last year. The timing of that is really, really interesting because the Steelers don't do that. What they're saying, in my opinion, is we have completed our, our absolute total draft breakdown of, of uh, everything we're going to see this year, and we are not going to take a quarterback. We don't want to be hung in the lurch next year without a quarterback. Right. So let's give Rudolph a really low deal, give him some money now so he'll sign it, and then we have a quarterback for next year, and we'll figure out that part of it next year. You know, full-on, full-out assault on scouting every quarterback in the country, which is what they did. Right. If you look at it, you, you heard one of them at basically every game where a named quarterback was playing this year. They watched. They evaluated. If they still see that any one of those quarterbacks is not worth any of their draft picks, you kind of have your answer. But I have yeah. a real tough time believing because they're not going to sign Rudolph to another one-year extension um, in, in April again. I think that what it really suggests is that they're open to the idea of a quarterback. But at the same time, I do believe Kevin Colbert, when he says, it, essentially, he, he, he's good at kind of dancing around what he really wants to say about something. I think if you, you read between the lines, what they're saying is, let's see what happens when we're on the clock at 20. We're not going to trade up. Right. Because, frankly, they have way too many holes. They don't have the assets to, to give. I mean, I, I might argue something different to that but what they're saying is 
a rookie now is not helping us now or maybe not even next year with what we see right now. So drafting a project quarterback, giving up extra assets to do that, solves a problem that we can solve next year through similar means at a lot less of a cost. So I, I think that's probably more a, a Steelers mentality. Um, it isn't to say that if Malik Willis somehow fell to 20, they wouldn't be really tempted to take him. He's, he's an excellent prospect. Uh, it'd be great value at that spot. Uh, it's also why I think he's probably going to go in the top 10. And that's probably too far uh, up for the Steelers to jump, knowing the constraints they have on their roster. They have a lot of holes they have to fill. They have starters that they need. But I'll say this, uh, quarterback aside, they're not going to go out and sign a quarterback in free agency. They're not going to trade for a veteran quarterback. What they do in free agency with the money that they have is going to indicate more of what their potential strategy could be in the draft because they have uh, far more cap space than they usually have right. without having made any moves yet. They, they haven't done anything. To, they haven't restructured anybody's contract. Uh, they haven't signed any restricted free agents. They, they haven't done anything yet. They have more cap space sitting where they are today than they've ever had, literally have ever had. Right. They're going to sign starters. This is a team that spends within roughly 5% of the cap every year. They're going to bring in starters. That cuts down potential needs in the draft uh, a pretty good amount. That's why they need to go sign them. If they address, say, three or four positions that they need uh, legit starters or key backups at, that opens things up to the draft a little bit more. You know, Maybe they get a little bit more aggressive. Maybe they're looking a little bit more long-term. Um, I, it, we'll see. Come mid-March, I think we'll have a much better yeah. idea of what they're probably looking at, looking to do in the draft. The two of them have to be offensive line stars. You've got to give Najee Harris a chance to then allow Mason Rudolph to have a chance. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, at the very least, I would say one of them for sure. I, for me, I, I'm not hearing this. I'm not reporting it. I think the combination of, of, of skill and ability, um, of status and of team need, Brandon Scherf is, is a, a pretty solid guy for the Steelers he, to be looking at right he now. He sure is. And he, he's a, he's a top-of-market top of, top of guard. Yeah, um, no it, doubt. It'll be, the biggest, it'll be the biggest contract they've ever given to an offensive lineman. That's what it's going to take for them to get him. But they need a right guard. They don't have a right guard right now. They're not going to bring Trey Turner back again. Um, my opinion, a large part of the issues that you had at center – was a lack of cohesion as well as a lack of NFL experience coming from your right guard and your left guard to your center. Right. And I think the left guard kicked over to the left tackle as well. They drug each other down. Yep. Those are issues that are going to improve um, the more time that they get. And it was you know, largely unavoidable. Dan Moore was not starting at, at left tackle uh, by choice. It, it was an injury situation that they clearly did not want to have. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given Zach Banner an extension. Uh, it's not the lineup that they wanted to have, but it's the lineup that they had to use. You need a veteran uh, to come in to help bolster your center, and you need that veteran to be a guy that has more than one year in his contract. They cannot draft a right guard to start this year. That's not going to help them, in my opinion. Uh, you have the money to spend. They owe it to the team uh, to bring in a high-level guy. I, I think that's sure. I, I think he's a player that fits mm-hmm. in well with what I would think they'd want to do, which yeah. is probably more of, of their gap and inside zone schemes, which they've done um, with you know, lesser experienced players. Um, you could probably see them doing that same thing again. But for me, I think they're going to sign a big ticket free agent. I think they're going to bring in probably two or three other 
uh, key players, if not starters, along with that to try to bolster what's a very thin roster right now. Uh, you know, after all these years of Ben, then of course Terry Bradshaw long before that. It's not like the, the Steelers haven't gone through the Bubby Brister, Tommy Maddox, you know, the, you know Neil O'Donnell that that period of time. How anxious do you think the Steelers fan base is to attach itself to a new name at quarterback? Oh God, it's through the roof. I mean, it, it's it's all you hear. I mean, it, Ben's going to be this team's starting quarterback for what we're looking at right now, the next five to seven years, <laughs> whether he's on the roster or not. Right. Um, the guy that you have, one, you know, for for the, the the faction of people that are saying, you know, give Rudolph a chance. He started ten games. Yeah, well, no, they he's don't know had, who Mason Rudolph is by now. No. There's something really wrong. No, he's had a chance. No. no, he's had yeah, a chance. You know who he is. Yeah. He's not going to make some radical leap now that he's the starter all of a sudden. You know who he is. He's going to have games like he did against the Lions, which wasn't particularly good. Um, games like he had in Week 17 against in, the, Browns. the end of the 2020 season against the Browns where he was okay. Yep. Um, up and down, that's who he's going to be. He's not going to be a high-level guy. The ceiling on him is probably a, 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 if you if, if things really line up, a 90-rated passer. Um, he's going to turn the ball over. He's going to make plays deeper down the field than what Ben did the last two years. You're not you don't have a good quarterback on this team. It's that simple. Um, they're going to do what they can with him, but they absolutely do not have an answer uh, right now for for 2023. And if despite that, if Mason Rudolph gets an extension, um, the fan base is not going to be happy about that. <laughs> I can't, it's hard to envision a scenario in which that would happen anyway. So they're, they're, if they're not thinking they're going to draft one, and even if they do, they're taking the, a quarterback at 20 overall, which is not a great spot nowadays to take a quarterback. No. Um, they're not anywhere, in my opinion, close to the proverbial franchise quarterback. And that said, I don't think it's likely that they take one at 20 anymore. You know, just the, the way that they've talked about it, they really seem uh, intent on addressing other positions and looking at the quarterback next year. So I, I think at the very least, uh, you're, you're talking about a low-rated quarterback in a not-good quarterback draft at a low spot in round one. Yeah or a complete and total project in round two, yeah. or I don't even know what else beyond round two this year. There, there's going to be some not good players. If, if there's a quarterback drafted after round five, we wouldn't have heard from him anyway. We, we wouldn't have any idea who he is. They're not going to find their future quarterback, um, I, I, in my opinion, in, in this offseason. Uh, it probably won't be a year from now until they do. Well, fortunately for the Steelers, it's not a quarterback-centric league, so they'll be fine. All right, so, uh, <laughs> Neil, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Neil Kulong, today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We'll come back next hour of the show here in the Sunbury Motors studio as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK.